Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. You've got the home of the truth. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. Our next guest is the athletic director at Colorado, man of the world. Been involved in Major League Baseball, professional golf, college athletics. Rick George joining us. From sunny Colorado, is it sunny today in Colorado, Rick George? Well, you know, it it has been sunny. It's been really hot. We've got the Dead and Company concert in here for the next two nights, so I'm hoping that it cools off a bit. But uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty pretty sunny today. I've been talking to football coaches in the conference in the last week, and what I gathered is most of those football coaches will, in like the first week of July, they'll go away with their family. That's vacation time because then they have to really focus on getting ready for fall camp. Is there a vacation time in the athletic director world? <laughs> well, there hasn't been the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, usually uh, July is a good month for the athletic director. So I'll be taking some time off and, uh, once we get there. You uh, previously worked for the Texas Rangers. You were the COO there, and uh, I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, how much fun was that to be in Major League Baseball? Well, it was a lot of fun, you know, playing uh, in two World Series, and unfortunately we lost uh, both, but, you know, winning the American League Championship, you know, against the Yankees one year and um, and then losing the follow and then you losing to the Giants at home wasn't a lot of fun. And then, uh, you know, we played the Cardinals in, um, uh, down to Game 7 in St. Louis, and, Got beat. Should have won it in Game Six. We didn't, and uh, but yeah, it was a, a great treat. We uh, we really enjoyed that. Nolan Ryan uh, is he still around? Was he around the franchise at the time you were there? Yeah, he he basically oversaw the baseball side. I oversaw the business side when we were there, and um, yeah, he's a he's a good man. Give us an idea, because as a competitor, he had a, a you know obviously successful Hall of Fame career, but. You know, I often wonder about athletes at that level. Can they can they switch it on, switch it off? Was was he a competitor? Uh, you know, in in the boardroom. Oh yeah, no question about it. Um, you know, he, uh, he he wanted to win and he was committed to it. And you know, he's he can be very tough and firm, but uh, he's a wonderful family guy and a and a good guy. We've got Father's Day coming up on Sunday. Uh, tell me about your dad. Like, give me, uh, you know, a story or an anecdote that, that you know, that you carry with you that, you know, sort of shaped who you are. Well, you know, my dad, um, you know, um, gosh, he was everything to me. Um, you know, he was a coach when I was young. And, um, and then when my mom died in 2001, he moved with me when I was with the PGA Tour and uh, and then with the Texas Rangers, and then he passed away in 2012. But he was uh, an incredible guy. He taught me a lot about hard work and discipline. He's a, he was a meat packer, and so he was on the kill floor and uh, did everything he could for our family. And, um, 
you know, I learned a lot from him about, you know, the value of family and the value of faith, and um, he's just uh, an awesome guy. Uh, you know, often he'll parents. I will tell you one yeah. story. I will yeah. tell you one story, though. You know, the one thing that he did, he loved Phil Mickelson, and so, um, you know, my dad would, uh, you know, he couldn't get around well, so he had one of those motorized carts, but he would, at the Players' Championship uh, when I was on the tour, you know, he always followed Phil and had his hot dog and his cane on there in case he decided to stand up for a little bit. And uh, But he followed him, but he was an incredible sports fan. He loved the Cardinals until I indoctrinated him with the Rangers. <laughs> he died a Ranger fan. Uh, I love that. Um, you know, a meat packer, help me understand that because – I think there's a common theme as I, you know, I've been talking to a few of the coaches in the conference, administrators, and, you know, there's this theme of hard work. That is a tough job. That is a tough living. Your dad, uh, you know, seeing your dad come home after a day at the uh, at the plant, that must have been something. Yeah, you know, my you know my dad would go to work at 4 o'clock in the morning because, you know, they'd start on the kill floor early in the morning, and he'd get home at 3 o'clock and, um, then he'd sleep for a while and get up when, you know, around dinner time. And then, you know, he worked two jobs and I, I worked, um, at uh, a packing house and he did some night work in Noblesville, Indiana, when we were there and I would go with him every once in a while. But, uh, yeah, he was a hard worker, but he was really disciplined <laughs> and he was a hell of a disciplinarian on us. I mean, that belt got to my backside a lot, um, <laughs> uh, you know, for things that I did, but, uh, yeah, he was, a he was a great guy, but. Uh, tough job and hard work was his way of getting through it. Give me an idea of, you know, sometimes we see sons who follow their their parents' footsteps. You did not. What did he think of you being an executive and being involved in sports? He loved it. Um, he, you know, he was my biggest fan, my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. Um, you know, he and he loved it because he loved being around uh, pro sports and he loved being around golf. He, that was something that he was passionate about. Uh, he was really passionate about baseball. I mean, when I was a kid, um, you know, we lived in Anderson, Indiana, and we drove to St. Louis, and uh, they have a, a, a camp for youth, and my dad would take me. I saw Lou Brock, you know, when he set the uh, base-stealing record. I saw uh, Bob Force when he had a no-hitter. I mean, we, we saw a lot, and, um, you know, my dad uh, – you know, would always make sure that he, he put the kids first. Rick George, Colorado Athletic Director, is our guest. Uh, Carl Durrell in the football program. How are you feeling about football right now? You know, I feel really good. I like the fact that nobody's given us uh, a, a lot of credit for, um, you know, this season. I, I think that's a good thing, and um, I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. I feel really good about this team. I, I really like this coaching staff. It's uh you know, in my opinion, the best you know coaching staff that we've had since I've been here, and um, you know they're excited, they're energized, and uh, I think Colorado's going to have a good football season. There's something to continuity with coaching. Obviously, uh, you have you have you know some universities like Utah's a good example. Kyle Whittingham, he had some tough years, maybe some disappointing years. They stayed with him. How important is it to stay the course, or maybe when do you know you've been at this a long time? When do you know it's time to make a change. Well, look, I, I think you know, um, you know, when you need that change. And I think Carl, you know, recognized that we needed to change some things around. We needed to get some new energy. We needed to get some new ideas in here. We need to, you know, really focus on the recruiting aspect. And, 
um, you know, the changes that he made, um, you know, I think are, are are great for our program, and I think you're going to see the fruits of that uh, this fall. We have college athletics in a in a really uh, interesting position, and uh, you know, I was talking to Commissioner George Klyovkov earlier today, and he he sort of made the comment that it's like an obstacle course. There is there's no one right path or wrong path, but you may have to choose, or college athletics may have to choose between. You know, do we do do we chase a course of parity and subsidization, or do we uh, let the market dictate where where major college sports should go? It's really tricky. Do you have thoughts on any, any of that? Yeah, I do. I mean, look, I, I think um, college athletics has done a lot of great things for a lot of great young men and women, and we can't lose sight of that. And that that's the first thing that I would say. I think the second thing is, look. We're going to be competitive. I don't care if, if you know if a conference makes more money uh, than we do. You know, we're going to hire the right people. We're going to recruit the right student athletes, and we're going to compete at a high level. And uh, I think you know there's uh, opportunity for all of us. Um, you know, we've got a, TV, a media right deal coming up, but I have a lot of confidence in George and you know his ability to negotiate through that. And uh, whatever it is, um, you know, we're going to be behind it and. Um, you know, we're going to go to work every day and try to win not only the conference championship, but also, um, you know, have a number of teams in the CFP and in the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournament. Um, you know, all those things are important to us, and we want to compete, and uh, I feel confident that uh, we'll do that. You've, uh, I've mentioned before, worked in golf and baseball and college athletics. You know, I, I think you're you're well positioned with where it's going because you've been in the professional game and you've navigated some of these things i think you can be valuable to the conference do you sort of see it that way rick is is the the sports evolving or college athletics is evolving that you feel like you know you're in a position where you've seen some of this stuff before yeah i have and and look i'm i'm really passionate about college athletics i mean i started in this industry when i first started i got out for about 15 years in the pro ranks and I'm back nine years. And I'm, I'm really passionate about, you know, our student athletes and, and being able to make them life ready. And, and look, I, I think there's a, there's reason that men's basketball and women's basketball tournaments are highly viewed because there's a multiple people having the opportunity to win. And I think we've got, we can't lose sight of that in college football. And, uh, you know, we, you know, there's never going to be parity, right? In college athletics, but you can you can have consistent rules and applications to all the teams, and I think um, that will be important moving forward. Our guest, Rick George, Colorado Athletic Director, uh, Tad Boyle in men's basketball. Uh, you guys, you know, have had some success there and and enjoyed some success. What what's you know we always talk about men's basketball and football is what keeps the athletic department afloat. What other things are you focused on as an AD when it comes to success of your department? Well, look, I mean, the success of our department, first and foremost, is, you know, creating a world-class experience for our student-athletes, helping them get an incredible educational education, a meaningful degree, putting programmatic needs around them, things that they need like mental health and nutrition and, you know, career and leadership and all those things that are important to their long-term success. I mean, that's a... That's a priority for us at, at Colorado, and that's what we're going to be focused on. But at the same time, 
we need to win. And right now we're not winning enough. We need to win more and uh, on the playing surface. And that's going to come uh, because I think we've done the right things in the right order with, you know, building some facilities. We've got great programs in place for our student-athletes now. Now we've got to go win. And certainly the NIL and the transfer landscape has kind of changed that a little bit, you know, because there's a lot of other things you've got to pay attention to. But, you know, at Colorado, we're going to do it the right way. Rick George, uh, have a great weekend. I appreciate you joining us. And are you going to the concert? I am not. <laughs> I can listen to it from my patio, and I think I'll stay here. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I saw uh, Red Rocks Amphitheater. I saw a yep. picture. Somebody on Instagram who's living their best life posted a picture of the Red, Red Rocks Amphitheater. It looked magnificent. Have you ever been there? I have. Yeah, it's a great place. Got to hold some. Uh, Got to hold some co- concerts there. Some get your uh, get your football team in there and hold the State of the Union for the athletic department in that amphitheater. It'd be phenomenal. Well, yeah, I'd do that, but I'd rather have them in our stadium. Uh, you know, these concerts where I can make some money. <laughs> there you go, Rick George. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us. All right, John. Happy Father's Day to all fathers out there. Thanks. There, there you go. There he is. His father on the kill floor of the meat packing plant i'm telling you i i got this okay i'm gonna let you in on a secret because you're here and you're a listener i'm working on this father's day piece that will run at johnconzano.com i have talked to 20 high profile athletic directors coaches um commissioner kleofkoff 20 high profile pac-12 personalities i've asked them that same question that I just asked Rick George. And the responses are astounding. None, almost none, I don't want to say none, almost none of the people that I talked with had a father who worked a white-collar job. All blue-collar. All from the world, not necessarily the kill floor of the meat plant, but it's really interesting to me. Uh, it'll run on Sunday at johnconzano.com. I think it's going to be a fabulous read. But I, I talked to Bobby Hurley at Arizona State. I talked to Kleovkov. I talked to uh, Jake Dickert, the Washington State football coach, Dan Lanning at Oregon, Jonathan Smith at Oregon State, Scott Barnes, the AD at Oregon State, Michael Schill, the president at the University of Oregon, I, uh, Pat Chun, the Washington State AD. I am... Uh, Really interested in sort of the family of origin, especially the fatherhood stories for some of the high-profile, prominent Pac-12 conference personalities. You'll see them all in one place on Sunday. It's fascinating. And Rick George and his father, I mean, that's that, that just, it sings to me. There's something about the work ethic that I think causes the children of the blue-collar, salt-of-the-earth, hard-working individuals out there who have children, their kids, that you know, and maybe it is as simple as you got parents who wanted a better life and more opportunities, and so they worked their ass off for their kids. Uh, Rick George's story fits right in there. I, I am, I'm not surprised. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a former MLS player who is 
at the forefront of a new sport. He's at Worlds of Sport today. Leave it here. You got the bald face truth. Back to the bald face truth with John Canzano on 750 The Game. I'm smack in the middle of the Oregon Convention Center, 90,000 square feet. Worlds of Sport is happening here Saturday and Sunday. If you're in Eugene or Woodburn or Roseburg or Klamath Falls or certainly in the Portland metropolitan area in southern Washington, you should get yourself to the Oregon Convention Center this weekend. You can grab your tickets now and avoid lines by going to worldsofsport.com. Promo code PDX22 if you want a discount. Uh, I mentioned before you got the uh, Blazers, the Beavers, the Ducks, the Thorns, the Winterhawks, the Hops. Uh, you know, everybody. Everybody's here under one roof. Also, you have a former Real Salt Lake soccer player who's got a really interesting sport that I know nothing about. I know jack about this sport. Ricky Lopez Espin is here, formerly with Real Salt Lake, does a little broadcasting, does some uh, commentating uh, for the MLS and other things. He is, you just got here from Miami? Like you just flew, flew in. in from Miami, yep. Then just dropped my bags off and <laughs> I came over here. I love that. <laughs> flew in from Miami. Uh, we'll get to Omega Ball in a second because I need to know what it's about. But give us the experience. Like you went to Creighton, like from mm-hmm. Miami to Creighton, like Omaha. Yeah. Miami <laughs> to Omaha is a little bit of a shock. Well, I went. I went to high school in Minnesota actually. Okay. So I got recruited there. Spent five years at a soccer boarding school called Chattox St. Mary's, yeah. and then ended up going to Creighton, which is obviously a big, big difference in Miami, and then. And then I'm getting drafted to Real Salt Lake. Yeah. So I've been all over the Midwest and the, the West Coast as well. And But East Coast is home. How, is home. How did you get in a soccer boarding school? Like, tell us about that. Yeah, it was just, I was just playing. I was We were playing, I think, with the Olympic development team. We got an email after saying, hey, we want you to come up to Minnesota. I think I was 12 at the time. Wow. And I was like, I don't even know where Minnesota is. Right. Um, checked it out. Went up to Minnesota with my family. First time ever seeing snow. <laughs> yeah. And fell in love with it. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to just focus on school. I want to focus on soccer and the rest is history. How did your, uh, so you're, that's pretty young. Like, oh, yeah. how did your parents feel about you at that age going I, away? To my parents, I'm an only child as well. So it was yeah. really tough, especially for my mom. But she understood the sacrifice that I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And yeah. I needed to make that sacrifice to get out of Miami to really focus on my craft and it, it was the best decision of my life. And then you do end up. You, uh, what's that like to you know to have that dream and then to walk out onto a field oh, as a player in uniform? And... You, you you can't. You have to experience it. You can't describe yeah. it. Obviously, that hard work. I know the first time I made my debut was in Vancouver, Washington, yeah. uh, or Vancouver, yeah. Canada, and my parents. I mean, crying. I was. Yeah. It was just all the hard work that comes, and that dream becomes reality. Just something you have to experience. It was unbelievable. You walk out there, and then you got to play a game. And then you got to play <laughs> right. a game, right? You're and like, then you're like, oh, okay. Now glassy now. eyes. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. National anthem, all that, and then you got to play. Uh, was it the right move to go to the boarding school? I like, think so, 100%. Yeah. There was guys that, especially in Miami, where everyone knows Miami's all about really yeah. the lights, the glamour, the yeah. all the distractions that were better than I was, but. I took that path. They took another path, and I, I just can't thank that school enough, Shaq St. Mary's. Yeah, and then you end up at Creighton, okay. and yeah. Creighton's got a like a really interesting story. Like people always think of Omaha, and they think of Warren Buffett, and mm-hmm. they think of College <laughs> World Series, but uh, Creighton's got you know a great basketball team, great baseball mm-hmm. that's there. 
Uh, what was it like to play soccer there? It was. I mean, it was unbelievable. Obviously, Elmar Bolovich was the coach Johnny Torres. When I committed, I think we, they were number three in the country. Mm. Um, ended up going to a couple of Elite Eights, Sweet 16. So we were we were very good. We had a tremendous fan support. I think we'd get probably five to 6,000 a game. Yeah. The soccer stadium at Morrison Stadium is unbelievable. Um, and I... I loved it. I loved every single moment of Omaha. Didn't think yeah. I didn't think I would, but uh, yeah. it was such a blessing. It, when you talk about MLS, I mean, obviously this is Soccer City here, mm -hmm. and yeah. you know the Thorns draw twenty thousand plus, and the Timbers. Obviously, it's a crazy crowd. But what's the perception of Portland like from the outside when you're playing at Real Salt mm -hmm. Lake and you think of the Timbers? Like, what kind of feeling or thought comes to mind? Oh, it's a scary place to play. Obviously, yeah. Providence Park, you see, like you said, just the numbers that they bring. Everyone breeds soccer. They yeah. love soccer here. It's a soccer city. Um, so you come in here, it's a little intimidating, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you walk out and you see the lights, the fans, the numbers, the chanting. It, it, it's unbelievable. So it's an intimidating place to come play. Our guest, Ricky Lopez Espin, who is uh, formerly with Real Salt Lake. He's doing some broadcasting now. How do you like that? You're good on air. You've got a good voice. Thank you're comfortable. You. Like you know, <laughs> you. this is not your first broadcast. I can tell. <laughs> well, what's that been like for you? It's it's really seen the game from a different lens. To be yeah. honest, obviously, I'm talking about guys that I've played with, played against. So yeah. I'm I'm sitting in a studio instead. Um, but it's mm. been amazing. I, I love it. I, I'm staying around the game. I don't have the patience to be a coach. Yeah. So <laughs> this is the second best thing I would say. Um, yeah. And I, I, I've really I've really taken it and trying to learn as much as I can. So I can't say enough about it. Help us understand what we don't know. Like, mm -hmm. you know, fringe soccer fans who may, they know who Real Salt Lake is, or maybe they know the star players of the league. What don't we understand about MLS? Well, first of all, the travel. It's how big the country is. I mean, for me, from flying from Miami here to Portland, yeah. it took I flew in what 6 a.m. Miami. That's 3 a.m. here. Yeah. I landed at 12:01. That's a, I mean, what yeah. nine hours of travel right yeah, there. It's a day. Just, yeah. And just with the effects that comes with travels, obviously you have to get all the lactic acid out of your body, get it accustomed to time, and it's just very different. And it's a lot to deal with. And when you have three games in a week and you're traveling, yeah. you're away from your family. You have you don't you're away from your routine. So it's a grind. It's a very grind. And I think people don't understand that. They see oh, you go on the field. You have a good lifestyle, yeah. you have all this, but no, it's just a lot of stuff behind the scenes that goes on. And we also, I, I think, you know, there are some star players in the league mm -hmm. who, who are really getting paid. Of course. But then there are some rank-and-file players who, who, you know, I was surprised. Like, when you know, years ago when they, when they started talking about what the players were yeah. making, I was like, gosh, like, yeah. the league, the owners are doing really well. Like, <laughs> exactly, you yeah. You know, uh, how do the players feel about that, the pay in the league? It's... Obviously, it's it's a big discrepancy when you have the guys that are making top dollar and you have a rookie guy coming yeah. in and I think he was making seventy thousand dollars. It, yeah. It's just it's it's crazy to think about a professional athlete yeah. making seventy thousand um, dollars, yeah. which is obviously a good living. Right. Yeah. But um, it, it's but it's not uh, like it's motivating the, as well. Yeah. But it's also kind of oh, like I, I need I need to get more. I, I don't I'm not getting paid as much as I deserve. But yeah. To be to be honest, the growth of the league has been unbelievable. I mean, yeah. now you see, I think the average salary is about 300k in the uh -huh. MLS, which okay. is, I mean, a lot better where it was right. than before. So it's uh, it's it's moving up, and obviously with just getting the birth of the World Cup here in 2026, which is going to be unbelievable. Yeah, uh, World Cup games uh, coming to Seattle, coming to mm -hmm. Vancouver, BC. Um, I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch that. You are here at Worlds of Sport from Miami and you are talking a mega ball here. Mega you have ball. a 
You have a booth set up. Uh, for people who don't know, I noticed a mega ball when the planning of this event was going on. I looked and I was like, what is that? And they were like, three teams play at once. And I was like, how is that possible? Then I was like, that sounds like a game invented like in some neighborhood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, let's make up the rules. Tell us about a mega ball. Yeah, so I got brought to it. Um, Anthony Dittman, who was a founder, he was like, hey, we want you to come out. We want you to play in it. And I was like, look, I retired. I'm done. He goes, no, you'll do some media stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, it's 175 feet diameter. Um, just expand the center circle of a yeah. soccer field. And you have three teams, five players on each team. And it's all, all at once, obviously. It's a lot of action, a lot yeah. of goals. Um, it's very strategic. I didn't think it was going to be. Um, but it's just so much chaos, just the yeah. angles that you move. You're right. playing against essentially 10 other guys. So it's a, in a small, confined space. And it's a circle that it's, it's a circle, played. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like... It's this giant circle, and mm -hmm. then give me an idea how it works in the middle, because I walked over to your booth, and I was like, one goal, right? And you're like, no, three goals. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah. It, it's strategic in the way that you can go towards, let's say you're going towards goal B. Yeah. You turn around, you go back towards goal C. It's just very strategic, and you're spacing as well. Does it matter so, what goal you score? No, you can score in any single goal. Do you get the same points, same points for each goal? Same points. Do you have teams that will gang up on yeah. the other team? So, yeah, if you, yeah. If, you, if you want to do that, you, obviously <laughs> there's different ways to play. If you have an alliance during the game, that, that's, that's a like way survivor, to go. Survivor, man. Exactly. So it's it's really interesting. It's it's so fun to play as a player. Um, yeah. I mean, as a, soccer, as a soccer player, you want to see goals, you want to see action, and Omega Ball has tons of it. We're, Nonstop. We're talking to Ricky Lopez Espin. He is here at Worlds of Sport, former MLS player, talking about Omega Ball. Uh, for people who are going to be here, I, I noticed you have like some video demonstrations mm -hmm. and stuff so people can actually see it. Mm -hmm. Also, though, it looks like it's coming to ESPN. ESPN 2. ESPN 2. What are they going to do? Are they going to broadcast? August 5th. Yeah, there's a, in South Carolina, there's going to be an event again. And, uh yeah, it's going to be on ESPN too. It's super exciting. Are you going to be on the call? Or I'll you be on be the on, call, yeah. You'll be broadcasting. Oh, no more flying for me. I'll be, I'll be broadcasting, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but I would think, like, with that kind of, like, in that confined space, you could play older, like, mm -hmm. longer. Yeah. Skills being, it's, is it better to be have skills versus maybe speed? You know, I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're talking about speed, you're talking about quickness, right? So yeah. it's, like, super confined, really, you have to be really quick in the, your movements, and just the way that the spacing that you take up, obviously in soccer, you have a lot more space in Omega Ball. It's, you have to turn and shoot. You can't really think because yeah. you have two teams coming at you essentially, yeah. 10 guys from all different types of angles. No goalie, though. No, you have a goalie. There is a goalie. Yeah, and he can score as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's a so goalie wait, and four guys on the field. So how does that work when there's three goals you could score on any goal? Like, your goalie just gets out of the way if you're taking no, no, the you're shot? No, no, you're not scoring on your goal. Yeah. So you're defending one oh, goal and okay. scoring on two goals. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that is designated before. So yeah. you have two goals available to you. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is like, do we know the origin of the game? Like how it was invented? Was it a drill they were doing or something? Well, I mean, I was when I was talking to Anthony as well, um, this is something you do in training. I knew when I was at RSL, when I was in college and I was in academy, you always have two teams attacking, one team defending. It's mm. how you work on your defensive positioning, whatever it may be. Yeah. And this is just it highlighted, right? It's Obviously, it's, uh, it's just magnified it, and yeah. it's, it's it really you're able to learn a lot um, as a training mechanism as well. We are uh, at Worlds of Sport at the Oregon Convention Center. Ricky Lopez Espin is our guest. He will be here. If you want to come talk to him at the Omega Ball booth over the weekend, he will be here Saturday and Sunday. Um, and, you know... 
you get you've probably looked around the room here. You see all the brands, mm -hmm. everything that's set up. The Blazers. I noticed you were shooting baskets <laughs> in the Blazers basketball yep. court earlier. Um, give me an idea. Can you describe to people kind of what you've seen walking around here? Well, first of all, it's very attractive, right? You have your eyes are going all over the place. You look here. You have, I mean, the Portland Timbers, the Portland Trailblazers, the Ducks, the Beavers, Beavers, yeah. everything. You have every. I mean, it's as a, as a sport fan, this is yeah. where you want to be. Yeah. Obviously, you're you're looking around. You're seeing different types of sports. Obviously, name brands, um, and it's it's really clean, really organized as well. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know what to expect when I was walking in here, but I'm very surprised in it. It's going to be an awesome event. Yeah, it's this is no rinky-dink show. No, no, like, at all. It's, it's interesting to me to kind of see, and I'm glad you're here for it because I think there's a segment of the audience that will be fascinated to go, what is this? And mm -hmm. So you've got a giant video display over there where people can actually watch it being played, mm -hmm. and you're going to talk about it. So are you just here kind of promoting the sport, or is there like an Omega Ball League that's going to pop up yeah, here? Yeah, so or? essentially in 2023 there will be a professional league. Um, oh, wow. That's the hopes for it, um, and it will be probably a, a six week six game professional league maybe in the fall and the winter um and, and we'll see what we'll see what happens but uh, it's really yeah. exciting obviously the next step is august 5th espn too i love that all right <laughs> uh, good luck with you on the broadcast i appreciate it you're Thank made you. for it man and then the omega ball and i'm sure your parents are happy to have you home in miami oh yeah you know? it's, it's, uh, <laughs> but I, i'll tell you what coming into portland it's yeah. so green it's so pretty yeah I, I uh and it's really nice to change the weather obviously yeah. miami it's extremely hot so i have yeah. a nice little sweater on and enjoying it you know what the, there's going to be a dj here that will be playing during the event okay. so it's going to be very festive obviously there's a beer garden over there but uh the dj is also from miami really you may know the dj oh, I, I'm, I'm, to... I think i might get this wrong i think his name is dj sabotage, sabotage. i don't know I, I, I don't know I, i'm more of a face-to-face -face person yeah. not not out yeah. by name so we'll see <laughs> if i go up and i recognize him be like oh, okay I'm miamian <laughs> very miami flavor here at the oregon <laughs> convention center all right uh ricky thanks for joining yeah, us thank you for come having check me. out omega ball come check out uh obviously there's an obstacle course uh, I was throwing the uh, the Portland Diamond Project has a radar gun set up. You can go throw your fastball and see what kind of speed you can get. Blazers have a court set up. The Timbers and Thorns are going to be doing a skills demonstration. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.